Hello and welcome to Series 3 of the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast. I'm Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature and host of this podcast, and I'm the author of the book Leading Through Uncertainty. In this series, I ask leaders to share their stories of uncertainty, the challenges they've faced and overcome, and what we can learn from their experiences. Tracy Pritchard is Executive Director of Engagement for Prostate Cancer UK. She talks about the uncertainty of life, developing physical and emotional resilience, having a clear vision and being agile and flexible in uncertainty. Hi Tracy, thanks for joining me today. Can you, can you tell us who you are and what you do, please? Yes, um, so I'm Tracy Pritchard. I'm the Executive Director of Engagement at Prostate Cancer UK which is a, a national organisation, mm-hmm. um, and our mission here is to stop men dying from prostate cancer, which is an increasing, increasing problem. Mm. Yeah, I saw in reception one, one every 15 minutes gets diagnosed. Yeah, I mean, actually there's some recent statistics that um, show that um, in England, prostate cancer is now the most diagnosed cancer, so it's overtaken breast cancer, wow. um, which is largely as a result of um, the fact that awareness of prostate cancer mm. is increasing, mm-hmm. so more men are going to speak to their GPs about it. So that's a great thing. Mm. Um, doesn't mean to say that there's a higher incidence of prostate cancer. It's, mm-hmm. a more, it, it's about the, the, the number of diagnoses, and um, there was a lot of awareness work around prostate cancer last year, which yeah. I think has kind of um, meant that more men have gone to, you know, make sure they're check their health. Yes, yeah. So, and so do you think um, men are catching it earlier as well as a result of that? So I don't have a medical background, no. but um, our understanding here is that um, there are men who are, um, so typically it's 50, from the age of 50, um, there's an increased risk, but there are men presenting to GPs um, younger than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think at one time it was sort of regarded as an old man's disease, but less mm-hmm. and less so now. Mm-hmm. Well, and also we're living longer, aren't we? So, yeah, you know, exactly. at 50, we don't feel very old anymore. No, precisely. So, and so you're head of uh, engagement here. Yeah. So what does that what does that mean for those who might not know what yeah. engagement is? Yeah, good question. <laughs> a, lot that, a lot of people here still ask that question. Um, but essentially, um, it's it we use that as an expression to talk about the range of ways that people might engage with us as an organisation. So the way they engage with prostate cancer as a disease, and the way they engage with us as a brand, if you like, Prostate Cancer UK. Mm-hmm. And so. We try to think about it from the perspective of individuals. So what do they need and want from us as an organisation if they're experiencing or their families are experiencing prostate cancer? So we have a range of services here. For example, our specialist nurses helpline. We've got a lot of medical health information online that people can access. Um, We work with a lot of GPs trying to help them understand the issues around prostate cancer and Mm -hmm. how to have that conversation with men. Um, we have a huge number of amazing supporters who raise money for us, donate money to us, volunteer to help raise awareness, do a whole range of different things. Mm-hmm. And often those people are the same people. So they, you know, they they might be people who are experiencing prostate cancer, but they're supporting us at the same time mm-hmm. as a result of that. Or that's yeah. part of of how they want to respond to. Mm-hmm. You know, so to their sort of current situation. So mm. we try to think of that in a holistic way, mm. starting from the perspective of what do those people need and want from us as an organisation, rather than thinking in a kind of internal, siloed, or structured way, if you like. So, mm. in other words, what's the fundraising team doing, and what's the 
what's the health information team doing? Right. Or it, you know, it's less starting from that perspective, yeah. more starting from what men and their families need and want from us. Because it, it must be an incredibly uncertain time for them when Absolutely, they first yeah. are diagnosed with prostate yeah, cancer. Exactly. Because you know, often we our medical knowledge typically is pretty yeah. low yeah. until we have a disease of That's some it. sort, isn't it? Yeah. So, and then you want to go and need, you know, then you want to go and find out as much as you possibly can, mm. and um, you know, and and suddenly you're thrown into a kind of whole new world. Um, so we try and help people, you know, through that journey. Mm. And there's um, there's a lot that we kind of see um, and and understand from our conversations with men and their families about how the the range of different things that we offer help them, you know, through that that journey. Um, so, for example, every we have a lot of activity around June time because Father's Day is in June. So we mm-hmm. focus a lot of our events and so on um, on June. And we have a series of walks called March for Men in ten different cities around the country. Okay. And they're sponsored walks: two k, five k, ten k. So sort of accessible for you know a vast range of people. Mm. Um, and we ask people to raise money for them. But but as much as anything, we we can see how enriching it is for people coming together mm. at one of those events because they meet other people who are you know in a similar situation mm. and often people hang around after they've completed the walk and sit and chat and there's a few things going on there and food stalls and what have you so there's a bit of a sense of community mm-hmm. coming together mm. um, which we know from feedback is something that you know people kind of seek when they're in that situation it's you know sense of being amongst people who are experiencing something similar. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think, you know, when there, when there's uncertainty of any kind, yeah. there's a there's a tendency that people start to go inward. And so yeah. what I'm hearing is actually engaging with a community of shared experience is really valuable for people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, it, it's obviously different for different people, isn't mm. it? So mm. we never try to assume that if somebody has had a... You know, prostate cancer diagnosis that they will a want to engage with us at all of course yeah um, or want to go on a walk yeah you know, that that's um it's very individual for, mm-hmm. for people in terms of how they respond so what what we try to understand is you know what are the key things what are the commonalities um amongst people and what they what they need from us mm. and make sure we try and provide those but also do it in a way that feels right and respectful of the individual and their family mm. um so we 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 spend a lot of time here thinking about, we call it customer experience. Mm. Um, customer experience kind of runs through um, from people that work here, people that volunteer here, um, through to the people that you know it, that take part in our events or use our, our information on our website, for mm-hmm. example, come to mm-hmm. us for, mm-hmm. for um, information and support. So... Um, well, customer experience is very different from going out and buying a cup of coffee, Absolutely. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't <laughs> you know, the... have a product in the same way as you know. We're not selling breeds of cats, and you know, if we were, then we. Mm-hmm. If you are, then mm-hmm. you're thinking about what's the mm-hmm. the nature of the the breed of cat that's most popular. But for us, it is um, you know similar. It's 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 understanding people that that are most likely to engage with mm, you and what, mm. what, it, what their preferences are and what they need. And often a, an emotionally charged time for people as yeah, well because, again, so, yeah. you know, if you're buying a, you know, a cat or a dog or a cup of coffee yeah. or whatever, then, you know, you're, you're buying it with, you yeah. know, a sense of joy and, and, and I'm guessing yeah. that for most people that, you know, being diagnosed with prostate cancer is, is quite a shock that yeah. 
yeah. that they have to come to terms with. Yeah, exactly. But I think there's you know there's a lot of parallels between the way people respond to all sorts of uncertainty in their life, isn't there? Mm. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for people thinking and learning about how they personally respond in those situations. Mm. And uncertainty can be short-term, long-term, big, mm. small, internal, external. Mm. You know, and we face it every day, don't mm. we? And um, you know, this organisation, Prostate Cancer UK, is relatively young and, has, mm. and as such has been through a lot of change over a lot of you know, over the last couple of decades, um, to the extent that I think people here, it's almost like a way of life, mm-hmm. um, and we don't have change programmes as such. We just evolve. Constantly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so there's a degree of comfort that comes with that, I think, or, or asking people to be comfortable with that. Well, that's interesting. And trust be- that. Yeah, bit. well, that's interesting because a lot of organisations still have, you know, one change programme after another, yeah. after another, after another, and... And people do find it quite difficult. So, so tell me, what's your experience of have you evolved that to to a place where people are more comfortable with it? So, I mean, I've been here for three years, so I can't claim to have been, mm-hmm. you know, part of the way that culture has developed here. But I do think it's it's come from being a very ambitious organisation um, that has had to initially be quite opportunistic in the way that it grew. Um, so it it thought very much about how do we engage people, where are they uh, being being where men are at and responding to the opportunities that came our way. And over a fairly short amount of time has grown into an organisation that is now about 220 people with about £30 million turnover. So, And we are still growing um, quite significantly year on year. And some of that has come from um, people being agile in the way that they respond to things. And and an agile approach means it's a constantly evolving mm-hmm. approach. Mm-hmm. It gets harder, I think, as you get bigger mm. and the, you need more structures around things and more processes around things. And then mm-hmm. you start to lock yourself into you know, a more, maybe a more rigid way of thinking. So we've we've tried to kind of overlay a, you know, the, an agile project management approach, which we're kind of learning, if you like, as mm-hmm. an organisation to help us maintain that sense of constantly evolving. Mm. Um, but I, you know, I think for um, a a body of of staff, if you like, or you know, us as colleagues, um, there's a certain amount of resilience that has to come with that as well, and people learning how to build up, you know, their own resilience, mm. and also recognizing how they personally respond to that degree of change or yeah. change happening over time. And some for some people, that's a very sort of practical they need a sort of very practical logical response and for other people it's a very emotional response isn't mm-hmm. it I mean, it's mm. never one or the other no. um, in terms of thinking their way through it mm. um, for me the way I the way I try to understand it is that if as long as people understand the vision and where you're trying to get to um, and knowing that certain uncertainties will hit you along the way mm. um, but if you can be responsive to that and agile and hold on to the vision and the vision stays rock solid mm. then everybody at least knows where you're going yeah. and we do have a strong vision here right. you know, we do know what we're trying to do and that is stop men dying from prostate cancer mm. and we have a strategy that's set out for 10 years that helps us understand how we're going to get there mm. knowing that we'll need to flex yes. in order yeah. to get there along the way and I think that's really crucial because you know one of the things that you know I hear people say a lot is I don't know what I'm expected to do yeah um 
and 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 quite often the vision is clear but then people don't know how to translate yeah. that down to what does that mean for yeah. me in this part of the organization yeah how have how have you been able to translate that because obviously the vision is really clear yeah um how have you managed to translate that into you know the the roles that people are doing yeah. actually on the ground i mean the, in terms of the approach and this is the way i've you know typically always worked through my career um, I, I kind of want to hand that to my team. So mm. I know that I'm not going to have the answers for how we, we get there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a lot of very, very clever people here mm. who are very good at doing mm. what they do mm. and they understand things much mm. you know, much better in mm. their environment than I'm going to. Mm. So so I, I try to work closely with those people and steer them along the way, but look to them to find out, you know, how, okay, so this is where we need to get to. Mm. Let's work it out together. Yeah. You know, can you carve the path? Can mm. you design mm. the route to get there? Mm. Um, and and I want people to kind of have some agency in that. You know, mm. so that you know a lot of a lot of the uns- a lot with uncertainty comes um, anxiety, mm. and a lot of that anxiety is is related to feeling out of control. Yeah. Um, and I don't want people to feel out of control. I want mm. them to feel like they're they can play a part in design. Okay, so we're going through a period of change, but I can have some influence on mm. how mm. we how we create that change and what it looks like for me, you know, in my role in my team. Yeah. Um, and so what I'm hearing within that is um, it's the difference between having influence and being in control. Because you know, we say we're never yeah. in control of anything, are we? I mean, we think no, we, we might like no, to think exactly, we are, but yeah. we're actually not in control of anything. Yeah. Um, and yet, so many people want to be in control, yeah. and particularly in certainty, you see people clinging on to the vestiges yeah. of something yeah um what i'm hearing is that you've developed an organization that at its at its core it's providing a service in uncertainty so yeah. you've got an understanding of you know your your you know your customers who are coming in are you know experiencing that but but for your employees as well you've recognized that actually the ability to flex and be empowered to make decisions and have their own influence is the way that people navigate the uncertainty. Yeah, you know that that's a theory. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> work perfectly in practice, does it? Well, we're all because human, like aren't say, we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's very, you know, it's always difficult to know how far you're reaching within an organisation and and how well people. So that point you made about you know people not knowing what's expected of them or what they're supposed to do. Mm. I mean, in 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 kind of practical terms, um, with got a, a kind of a structure of having um, KPIs that we measure at a leadership team level and then they cascade down to through down to team and individual level and, and because we go into a new business planning year as of 1st of April we're working our way through setting out those KPIs at this moment so mm-hmm. you know we set the leadership team KPIs for how we'll measure progress against the business plan for engagement next year um, and then there's there's three tiers below that and the different Groups of of colleagues are working on those at the moment mm-hmm. at this moment, mm. and and hopefully that process will help mm. people to mm. understand. Okay, what is it exactly that I'm supposed to deliver? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, I hope that people, that everybody, kind of feels that has some exposure to that, and feels that they have you know, some agency in designing. Mm. You know, what are we going to be striving for? And yeah. Um, and understanding it enough, mm. and understanding how it folds up as well to the, 
you know, the business objectives yeah. that kind of sit at the top. So do you think it, it helps for people to have a, a structure of some sort within which they can flex? Do you think that helps them be more agile and more flexible? I hope it does. I think it does. But I don't think that's the only thing. Um, because people think in very different ways, don't mm. they? So for some people, that kind of logic will be really important to mm. them. For other people, um, the emotional aspect of uncertainty will almost, you know, override uh, any sense of, mm. you know, what's the step-by-step mm. plan. Mm. Um, and and so making sure you're kind of, you know, aware of that, supporting people through mm. that. Um, is I think equally as important as making sure you've got that structure plan in place. Yeah. Um, How do you I, do that? Well, it, I think it's really difficult. I mean, and and to some extent, I think people have to find um, what works for them. Mm. But many years ago, I came across, um, and I think this might resonate with you, Jude, but I came across a, a guy, um, Peter Bailey, who's a consultant, who had a, um, a practice he called Because It's There. Um, and that name, when I tell you, yeah, his, his practice was about mountains and taking people up mountains. So taking people from their sort of com- outside their comfort zone mm-hmm. into a physical environment mm-hmm. where they're not used to, um, you know, they leave all their creature comforts behind, mm-hmm. they feel exposed, um, it's all very alien and uncertain for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's their first experience of being in that environment. And in, in taking them through a sort of physical challenge up a mountain um, and doing some mountaineering with them, asking them to just be alive to their own um, responses to that, sort of physically, emotionally, um, psychologically, mm. and then using that to kind of talk through, well, how does that, how does that, how do you, what does that tell you about how you respond mm. in a workplace mm. or in other aspects of your life, how you deal with uncertainty, mm. and trying to, you know, work with them to work out how do you build up that resilience, yeah. how do you apply then different things, knowing how you now re- respond. Mm. Um, and there's also something very, you know, something about the physical aspect, I think, of doing that that is really important. Um, and I, you know, place a lot of importance on physical mm. activity because I think it really does help people well, build it's up the, their resilience. Well, and it's the embodied experience yes, of exactly. um, how you show up yeah. as well because you physically feel when yeah. you get scared and you physically yeah, feel exactly. when you feel relaxed. It's and, easier to recognise it. Yeah, and yeah. it's easier to recognise that in nature and outside yeah. than it is in an office. Yeah, but we have absolutely. all the same emotions in yeah. an office and, and all the same physical reactions. Yeah. But often people have just are so busy using their brains yeah. that they've actually switched off listening to their bodies. Exactly. And, yeah, and, and it's just waking that and bringing it alive again. Yeah, um, I mean, I you know I find that because of the work that I've done with the horses... I'm always, I'll occasionally, if somebody will, will suggest an idea and I'll, I'll get a very strong hit of, yes, that's a good idea, or no, it's not. Right. And, and I feel it in my body and, right. and I have to trust it because every yeah. time I get a strong yes and I don't go through with it or, or, you know, the other way is I get a strong no and I think, well, I give it a go anyway. Yeah. It's always the wrong decision. So, right, exactly. you know, it's that, in, you know, whether it's instinct or whether it's an emotional response or yeah. a combination of the two, but it's yeah. our body yeah. physically reacting to something before our brain's actually caught up and understood why. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, you know, we've we've forgotten how to use that That's skill, right. yeah, and it's it's an innate trait of human behaviour that yeah. we've just ruled out in the office because we're busy listening to our brains. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you know, my one message to 
you know people living to the, listening to the um, podcast would be um, just you know if you're not doing anything like that at the moment um, you know get step out of your car for a little while and get yeah. out of your house yeah. and you know get your boots on or even your trainers or your walking boots it doesn't matter to what extent yeah. but just you know push yourself a little bit um, you know, and and notice the difference yeah. you know and yeah. there it's so I cycle a lot and um, I find that time on my bike is as good as meditation mm-hmm. as if I was sitting meditating it's and it, it's the time when um, you know I, I not only subconsciously process things but also um, I'm sure it's given that you know built up some physical resilience which has helped me build up my emotional resilience that mm. I that I do bring into the workplace mm-hmm. and I, I know that's really helped me through mm. a lot of things at work and you know and personally mm. over, over, the, over the years so, yeah, I it's an interesting that. one because, you know, at, at, at a time where in organisations we're talking about, you know, we need to encourage well-being yeah. and, um, and resilience, what I'm hearing from you is actually creating that physical resilience builds the emotional resilience. We see that and a lot with people with their prostate cancer diagnosis too. Right. Um, so we have a lot of people who um, do the most incredible challenges, you know, multiple marathons and... Um, you know, incredibly long bike rides, and you know, and that kind of thing, and like that's part of their response. The part of I think their way of maybe taking back control mm-hmm. or feeling um, stronger again as mm-hmm. a person, having mm-hmm. been through such a shock or dealing with such mm-hmm. a um, disease, mm-hmm. um, and and also maybe sort of reevaluating life a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we have a big, we have a sports team here, a sporting events team. Um, which is a big aspect of what we do and that's not because we've decided that that's a good thing that's because we can see and we hear and people tell us that's what people want and the number of people who are taking part in our challenge you know our our physical challenges our cycling walking etc is is growing all the time and it's you know get along to one of those events and feel the emotion of the people there and the sense of conviction to responding positively mm. to what is otherwise you know could, can be it's a very very challenging time in our yeah. lives it's really heartwarming it's obviously very important to people when they're yeah and I think you know what, what I found with uncertainty is that often people focus on the things that they can't do mm. um so and and the things that are unknown yeah and, and that can then cause them to spiral down so it, you know a great example is when people come and work with me and my horses, yeah. you know, I always say, if I were to hand you a piece of rope, you would just hold it in your hand without thinking about it. But if right. I stuck a horse on the end of it, you yeah. might start to question, how do I hold the rope? And right. and one of the questions I get asked a lot is, how do I hold the rope? Right. And 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 the other one I get asked is, how do I lead? Yeah. And I always say, I don't know. How do you lead? And okay. how do you hold a piece of rope? Because right. the way you hold it... You know, yes, you need to make sure your fingers aren't trapped in it. So there's yeah. a there's a little bit of technical, but actually the way you would hold a piece of rope is the same with a horse or without. Yeah. And yet suddenly, as soon as you put the uncertainty and the doubt of, yeah. crikey, there's a horse on the end of it, yeah. then it generates this doubt of, is the way I hold the rope right. the right way? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in hearing about, you know, the, the physical side of things is that you know when the when people are you know have a disease or something there's a, there's a tendency to almost you know in an animal like way to curl mm. up in a in a burrow and, right. and hide whereas yeah. actually what you're saying is 
those who say, no, I, you know, I'm going to show that I can. Yeah. It's really empowering. It's, yeah, it's wonderful absolutely. to hear. Yeah. And that's not going to be right for everybody. No. So, um, but it is, you know, we um, see such amazing stories and meet such amazing people um, because they, you know, they, they then become very um, visible to us mm. when they take part in those things. And mm. um, I try to get along to a lot of those events as much as I can and take part in the cycle rides and what have you. We've one to Amsterdam. We have a tour. We have um, we do day one of the Tour de France, which is called Grand Depart. Um, and typically, you know, the people on those events are very uh, have a close proximity to prostate cancer in some way. They've you know they've either got prostate cancer or they know people that have got it. Um, and the sense, you know, the, 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 the sense of coming together, mm. sharing the experience, sharing um, something positive, and having found, you know, using that to find a way to deal with the huge change that's taken place in mm. their lives, mm. and all the uncertainty that comes with something like prostate cancer, mm. um, is, you know, it's a really enriching experience. Mm. Yeah, for me, for them, yeah, we get very positive feedback Amazing. on that. Yeah. Amazing. So I can't say enough for you know for 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 people thinking about you know, adding if they haven't already got that element to their lives. You don't have to wait. Don't wait until you've been diagnosed with a disease to mm. do it. Mm. You know, use mm. that. Mm. Um, you know, it carve out time in your life and see the importance of it in helping mm. you to manage. In a workplace situation, whether you're a leader or whether you're not, mm. you know we all deal with uncertainty all the time, and it help build up that understanding of yourself and how you respond in those situations. Mm. And that health and fitness is so crucial, and we don't realise how important yeah. it is until we haven't got it, do no, we? Exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. And um, Tracy, what keeps you awake at night? Oh, uh, so. The thing that keeps me awake at night is we talked a little bit about customer experience earlier and that the fact that that runs through sort of colleagues as much as it does people engage with us and and if I come away at the end of the day feeling like an interaction with someone has not gone well and left them in a bad place I really carry that mm. home with mm. me and that that does dwell on my mind mm. until mm. Yeah, I've kind of got to a place where I where I can get back to them basically, mm, <laughs> and mm. and try and resolve things. You mm. know, I, you know, I think um, it's it's really important that we, regardless of our roles in an organisation, treat each other with respect. Mm. Um, uh, try to ensure that the workplace is a happy place and a um, a supportive place for mm, them. Mm. And last thing I want to do is to. Um, leave someone feeling like they've had a bad day at work mm. so and yet it's, it's difficult isn't it because when particularly in, in uncertainty because yeah. there are often clashes of opinion and views yeah. in uncertainty because there isn't one right answer no and you're striking a balance <laughs> mm. you know if you are in a leadership position particularly you're striking a balance between what's right for the business mm. and and what's fair to other people mm. as well and wanting to be able to find a way for that one individual to to kind of meet their needs mm. to feel comfortable mm. with with you know whatever deal it is that they've got um so yeah so you you, you know you it, it you have to find the right path through that for mm. both sides and sometimes you know that's not necessarily what person you're 
talking to is looking for. Yeah, sometimes we have to make the hard decisions, yeah, don't exactly. we? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a there's an impact yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, it's been fascinating talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. Not at all, you really lovely chatting to you. Thank you. Was particularly struck by what Tracy said about developing physical resilience as a way of gaining a deeper understanding of who we are and how that enables us to increase emotional resilience. When we're pushed out of the comfort zone, it's incredible how strong the human spirit can be. How can you develop greater resilience, both physically, mentally and emotionally? That's it for this week. I was your host, Jude Jennison, and I hope you were as inspired as I was. Keep leading and come back soon for the next interview on Leading Through Uncertainty. 